listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A team follow. Doyle Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Of Charlotte. Oh, it's Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. What's up and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam Pajama presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I am your host with the most, Dayon Dunlap. You can find me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. That's at D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. The color commentator for all the home games for UH women's basketball. And I'm joined alongside the none only the great the great dang damn you 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 gotta give us some good intros you you come up with some creative stuff but i'm the second host and Dion is i don't know Dion kind of put some pressure i gotta be great Dion, for this uh, <laughs> special episode that we have um but real quickly before we get into it be sure to follow the official apollo media account at apollo hou as well as hitting the subscribe button on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast we would greatly appreciate it and also check out the launch pad podcast this um last saturday we went over day on uh, me andy and justin we went over to the launch pad podcast and did a special crossover episode focusing on the nba draft to talk a little bit about the rockets and who they should take at number two and also a lot of uh talk quentin grimes who has moved up to mock drafts he's project projected anywhere from late first round to early second that's where i've seen most mock drafts have them so the nba draft content we're cranking it out so be sure to check that out once again that's launch pad podcast the official Houston Rockets podcast for Apollo Media. And Dayon, this is a special episode. We have a special guest. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, we have a special guest, head coach for the University of Houston women's basketball program, Ron Huey. Had a tremendous season last year, and we're glad for you to join us, Coach. I guess we could start with, with the team personnel, some of the summer workouts. What have you seen from the team since you had them all together? as far as their growth throughout the summer? Um, the, uh, the summer has been really, really good for us. And it's probably one of the best summers we've had. And I say that because there's been no issues. None. It's not, I mean, no issues whatsoever. So um, the culture of what we're building it's starting to really, really take over and be noticed. Um, we had a chance to select captains. Um, the team selected the captains. Um, Bria Patterson, Layla Blair, and Julia Blackshell Fair, are all three captains that were selected by their peers and the staff. And um, things have been rolling really good. You know, the girls are get up in the morning, they schedule, they jump right into weights with Autumn Lockwood, and she's been tremendous for us. Um, Alan Bishop has also been helping with that. Um, from there, they go into conditioning. Um, and once they leave conditioning, 
there are the block of classes is from 10 to 2. Um, so we usually start in the morning between 7.30 and 8. And then by 10, they're in their classes, um, which are still online. And then around 2, 2.30, we uh, are allowed to go on the court for an hour. And um, things have been really good for us, especially with the new kids getting adjusted, um, the returners helping them as much as possible. Um, we've been doing a combination of uh, two skill days and two team days because we go four days a week for 40 minutes. And um, sometimes the girls come back and say, we want to do an extra skill day, and we do that. Or sometimes they say, we'd rather do three team days, and we do that. So it's been kind of a give and take. I really love the input that they're putting in. Um, you know, the other part that's been really good for us is our fun Fridays and our team bonding stuff. Um, they've been really um, just throwing themselves into it because, again, coming off of COVID where we couldn't do those things, it's been tremendous for us that they're really embodying and embracing the things that we want to do to help our culture, to help ourselves be better teammates, to understand our teammates, to understand our staff, all our coaches, just to be on the same page. So that's been really good for us too. And then on Wednesdays, we do what we call uh, real life Wednesdays. Um, we have different people come in and speak and the program is ran by Asha and Kellen. Asha is over with our, um, uh, life skills program here in the athletic department. So she takes care of that. And then Kellen helps out, you know, she's over our academic department. So they kind of put this together along with Arian of our real life Wednesdays. So we've had speakers come in and talk about financial literacy. Um, we've had nurses and, and those kind of people come in and talk about sex education, dating. Um, we've also did uh, Morgan Jones, who was a former player of mine to talk about with visions, um, branding and NIL, and I mean, they've been on top of it. It's been tremendous for us. Being out on the road recruiting, so many people have commented on what are you doing on Wednesdays to help these young ladies be the best that they can, that they can be once they leave the University of Houston. And it has been tremendous for us. Um, right after that on Real Life Wednesdays, they are doing yoga. Um, so now they're getting in touch with the spiritual side and that kind of stuff. We're sitting, we're, you know, in room with just the, the different music or different sounds and things like that. And they're moving and, you know, it started out with just women's basketball. Now we got some men's basketball and some of our staff people and it's really growing. Um, so it's been a really, really productive summer for us. And um, I like where our team is now. Coach, you mentioned just how different like there's no distractions this all season compared especially i imagine compared to last year just with all the covid stuff i'm curious for for your players that were new last year obviously just the way everything was a season ago with covid protocols is this more like a first real entire off season for them get them the full experience of what your guys's off season program is after just how different it was last year exactly you know i told layla blair Cam and Taylor. Now you will see what we do in the in the summer. 
<laughs> you know, just because they didn't get a, a full spectrum of that last year, just because of, like you said, COVID. So now they understand that you get better in summertime when you do these things. And plus you learn the different concepts that'll give you a, just a head start. So when you get to the fall, now you're not coming in green. You're not coming into where things are really new to you. Um, so they're helping the ones who wasn't here, like um, Kendall Brown, who's a freshman, and AJ, who's a transfer, and Tierra, who's a transfer, you know, helping them um, just to adjust to what we do and how we do things. But yeah, it has been totally great for us. And, and those kids now getting their eyes open to, okay, this is what a true college offseason looked like. A second ago, you talked about Autumn Lockwood, who came in during the season. Um, Coach Todd talked to us about how good she's been, but I've been seeing a lot of videos here. Just kind of elaborate on some of the things she's been um, able to implement throughout her time there. Now she's kind of have a time to be able to fully implement her system. You know, the one best thing about Autumn is she's the same person every single day. Energy, 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 energy. She's never having a bad day. So she come in, she expect that from the girls, she give them there and they um, in return, give her the same kind of energy back. Um, she's on a one-on-one -on -one relationship with them all. And that's the other thing. It's enough energy for her to go around with the whole team being just one person. Um, she's also our nutritionist. So she's going through all the nutrition stuff um, with all of them, a proper eating and those kind of things. Um, she's also, you know, the conditioning. She's also doing all the stuff when they're in their real life Wednesday. So she's a part of everything. So she have her one-on-one -on -one meeting as, as well. Um, how are you taking care of your body? Are you refueling? Um, what else do you need that I can provide to help you with? You know, those kind of things. And it, it's just been tremendous for us, especially myself, because now I don't have to have uh, a meeting with all of them every week. I can take one or two and, you know, Autumn's taking one or two and Coach Ty's taking one or two just because we want to be on the level with our young ladies to where that relationship is built and we're constantly working on it like a marriage. You know, we, we want that to happen, especially with this transfer portal and all that kind of stuff. We want to make sure that they're doing their part in building and sustaining this relationship and we're doing our part as well. But I can't say enough about Autumn how she gets out there every day and doing everything necessary to be successful for the girls, not backing down um, when they come in and start a little slow and things like that. And then the days of shit, they're great. She's also up there, high energy and everything. But she's been tremendous for us. And, and I hope she's here for a long, long time. Another thing that you mentioned, I know last year me and Matt actually about was captains. And you kind of say you kind of really want to shy away from it what you just mentioned previously now this year that the team kind of embraced and kind of happened naturally let the team pick. So just talk about kind of that change. Yeah. You know, for the last three or four years, we hadn't had captains, you know, I just, every time we would select them, they will follow other people. So uh, I, I just didn't have much faith in it. And, and so just talking to the staff when we had our staff advance, we don't do a staff retreat because we're not going to have a good time. So we do a staff advance. We talk about the things that we can advance with our program. And they say, well, maybe we can try it this year. You know, let's see how the girls go. And so David, um, my, my video director of video um, came up with, let's, let's look at them in June. You know, let's give them, 
the entire month of June just to go out and work their tails off and let's see who emerges captains. Let's see who started to follow who. And, and we told them about that and we gave them a date. The first week in, in July, we we're going to select captains. We're going to see who want to put themselves on that pedestal. And we gave them when they got here in our first meeting, the criteria for the captains. And um, wanted to see who would work their way in, who would work their way out, you know, those kind of things. And, and that's what happened. And so I thought that was a really good way to do it. And they selected them and um, the three have been really brilliant. I mean, so far so good. You know, coach, one of the other players that you mentioned was Tierra Young and Asia Thompson. Obviously, both of them are, are transfers from different schools. I'm curious, when it comes to recruiting athletes from different universities, is it different from when you recruit them out of high school or, or what is that like? Well, we, we try to use a little secret. Um, we only get transfers of kids we recruited. So we don't ever bring somebody totally new into our program because we don't know what kind of culture they're coming from. We don't know anything about their families. When you're recruiting a kid out of high school, it's usually a year or two. When recruiting a transfer is usually a week or two, maybe a month. And you can't find everything out that you need to know about them in a month. So that's why we only get kids that we had an opportunity to recruit before, build a relationship with their families, build a relationship with them. And for whatever reason, they chose to go someplace else and now they're back, but we know them. And that's the best part about what we do. So Tierra Young, we recruited for two years, just like AJ. Um, those kids, we recruited for two years and they ended up selecting someplace else. But again, we still saw their families on the road. We still said hello, you know, at games. We congratulated them when they had good times, you know, those kind of things when we saw them out. Um, they both have siblings that play. Tierra has a younger brother, so we still used to see our mom out, you know, in Atlanta and different places on the recruiting trail with the son. And um, AJ's younger sister played with pro skills and younger brother plays too. So we're still seeing these families and these people and still have an opportunity to say hello and things like that. And so that's uh, goes into all the things that we do when we talk about getting a transfer, because again, you can't get to know them in a month and it usually happens that fast. But um, out of high school, it takes a year or two to really, really hone in and know them and know their families because that's what we do. We recruit families, not just the kid. And from that point, I wanted to add on just in terms of the transfer portal as a whole, what do you, what are your thoughts on it? I know Kevin Sampson has described it like a, a supermarket where whatever type of player you're looking for, you can look in, in the transfer portal and try to find what you need. Um, do you think it's good just in terms of how, I wouldn't say accessible, but just how easy it is for players to transfer out of programs and for other programs to recruit other talent. Yeah. And I think it's a 50, 50 win um, for the kids and the different programs and Kelvin usually have great analogies for it. And I would agree. You can reach in and find whatever you need and, and almost, you know, pull that player out of there. But the, the thing that we're always laying our hat on, you know, we're not recruiting 10,000 kids. And so, we only gonna have a small pick because you know we only recruit 15 kids a year. Um, so when we go back into the portal, we're only trying to get any of those kids that showed up in the portal. But I think it's an opportunity for you know some kids that, that might have picked the logo 
meaning an SEC or ACC or even a Big 12 or Pac-12 or Conference USA, knowing they should have been someplace else or felt like it should have been someplace else or their skills say they should have been, been someplace else. Now they get a chance to, to, to right the wrong. I'm, I'm happy they get a chance to do that because, you know, we both know, we all know stories of kids who are sitting on, you know, benches at places where they can go someplace else and play. Um, and I hate to penalize those kids for seeing the, the golden nugget and wanting to take it versus, you know, wait and see, because it's hard to, to not, you know, take that shiny thing. It's just like the, the little um, thing they did with the uh, kindergarten kids. You know, they showed the kids a dollar and then they showed the kids a, a quarter and they all selected the quarter because it was shiny. You know, it, it's, it's just what those kids find sometimes. Um, not in terms of any of the transfer portal or anything, but I'm just curious, obviously, with the season that Layla Blair had last season. Mm -hmm. uh, she had a strong year, especially towards the end. What do you feel like was the turning point for her last season? She started to get it on defense. You know, Layla always been offensively gifted. Um, she was studying the game more. Um, we were watching, having film sessions and things like that. Um, we always know she could score. She had demonstrated that over and over in practice and things like that. But defensively, you know, we don't want to ever have a player on the floor where you can score 10 points, but you're giving up 10 points. Because um, y'all know we would lay our hat on defense. And so she started to pick it up defensively more and more and more. And when she started to make that adjustment, that warrant more time for her. And I think that's when she started to have her, her breakout year. Layla's always going to be in the gym. You know, she got over a thousand shots a week last year. Our, our players, you know, have to get up a thousand shots a week. She would go surpass that. She would be over here working out in the morning at 7 a.m. She would have the coaches in there shooting rebounds. She got cones on the floor, all of that, like her work ethic, none of that stuff. It came into question at all. It's just what we do defensively. It's a little different from everybody else. And it just takes some time to, to understand that. And without her having a regular year last year, um, because of COVID and all the restrictions we had, sometimes we can only practice an hour. Sometimes we can only have four or five of the baskets. Sometimes we, it was just so many different restrictions that they didn't get a chance to get the full fledge of, of understanding what we do and how we do it. And so once she started to get it, it, it the sky's the limit. And then y'all saw her take off. I mean, you're talking about Temple, where I think she had five or six steals, something like that. And, and I, I can remember other games as well, you know, and I'm just talking about off the ball stuff where she's coming and having a chance to anticipate. And then she started to make the adjustment of, of being up the line on the line like she's supposed to and, and having her behind to the ball and, and sprinting the lane like she needed to and, and just communication, you know, it is, Defense is, is the thing that, that we lay our hat on, and she started to get it, and she never wavered in her faith, and, and she got it. And just coming into this offseason, what have you seen from her through these workouts? Oh, the, the, sky's, the sky's the limit. You know, she, she's already, you know, when we have workouts here and she's still back here shooting, you know, she and, I mean, five or six other ones are now challenging her with those shots and things like that, but – Layla's already 
you know, putting herself on a path to where she's going to have another great year because of her work ethic and what she's doing. She's studying the game. She's staying loyal within her faith. She's doing everything she needs to do nutrition-wise. She's slimmed down a little bit. She's um, getting nutrition like she's supposed to, uh, hydrating like she needs to, things like that. I think y'all going to see a lighter, quicker, you know, because she had a little baby fat from high school and things like that. You know, but now she's she's starting to slim up and a little bit more muscular, and so the sky's the limit for Layla. That's going to be the end of our first segment. As we get ready to segue into our next, we'll continue our talk with Coach Huey, talk about potential conference realignment, next steps for the program. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continue our talk with Coach Ron Huey for the University of Women's Basketball Team. Coach, one thing I've noticed throughout the summer is you guys are putting out more content and what's your thought process or their entire program's philosophy on taking going to the next level off the court? Because we know on the court is winning and getting to the tournament. But off the court, what's some of those things that you guys are looking at to take the program to the next level? You know, the first thing is, is and Alex is the one that, you know, put out the contents and things like that. And so we've been having Joe come over and, and do a lot of film and, and things like that and, and get it to Alex. And she's been doing a great job of just throwing stuff out there and letting people get an inside peek of who we are. Because again, that leads into your next question. We want to be able to get our fans back, you know, because of COVID and, and things like that. Um, but we have full capacity this year and we want to sell out all those floor seats. We want to be able to have at least a thousand, two thousand in the stands and things like that. Um, but that's what we're trying to do and create that atmosphere with our social media, with our girls doing interviews, with myself doing interviews, speaking engagements. Uh, we have some community service things lined up this year just so we can create that buzz so we can have something to feed off from last year. Because ultimately, you know, men's basketball did a hell of a job of growing that. And it started with their social media and then their wins and things like that. And that's what we were trying to follow that path because we don't have to reinvent the wheel. But that's some of the things, a couple of examples of what we're trying to do. When you talk about giving people a peek into the program, um, some of the stuff I'm taking people out to lunch, those kind of things just to create that buzz. And we want to get more tickets sold and, and butts in the seats. Well, obviously this summer, there's been one big topic, especially the past week, that's kind of shocked uh, the college world in terms of what the University of Oklahoma and Texas um, requested entry in the SEC. I'm curious, what are, what are your thoughts on just the whole, um, I wouldn't say issue, but just the whole situation with OU and UT and requesting into the SEC? And, you know, how do you feel like that will impact not just football, but you guys as well in the women's basketball landscape across the NCAA. Yeah, the, the thing that I, I hate about all of it is, guys, is, you know, they throw this thing out. This is what we want to do. Then we want to leave all of this. We're having all these meetings and they stir all this stuff up without having any kind of concrete plan. They may have it, but none of us know about it because it was just thrown out there. 
um, just like the time before. And we did all these presentations and all these people came down here and looked at us and the Big 12 did all of that just to say we're not picking up anyone. You know, it, it's just enough is enough. You know, make a decision, be able to move forward and just go from there. Um, the one thing I know that the University of Houston will have in all of its sports, we'll be able to compete at any conference we get into. As simple as that. We're not going to be a, a school or a university that go into a Pac-12 or go into a Big 12 and then the majority of sports are losing and things like that. That's not going to happen to us. You know, it's a stand and say, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We, we're staying ready. So regardless of what decision they make, whether it's 2025 or 2035, you know, it, it, it just needs to happen. And then let's see what happens from there. Um, I'm just so tired of all the talk because as soon as that happened, we're on the road. You know how many calls I got on the road and people coming up and all of this. And, then, and it was like the Big 12 all over again saying, okay, let's, let's tease Houston and see if we want to do that. You know, I, I just wish they would just make a decision and be able to move forward. From that standpoint, I'm curious, what have has the communication been like with Chris Pesman and Renu Couture? Have they kept you guys informed or is it really a lot where you guys are just in the dark waiting for, I guess, the the other pieces to put fall into place? Yeah, I think they're in the dark because we're in the dark. You know, I think the SEC and, and Texas and, and OU are just kind of talking to themselves and not talking to anybody else. <laughs> and I think that's that's where it is right now. Because um, the two people you mentioned, you know, Renew and, and Pez, they're always great communicators. And I think if they had something to share, they would share it with us. Um, but I don't think it's anything for them to share right now. One more thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, just the idea of super conferences. Do you feel like that ultimately helped the college sport or could hurt them? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I, think, I think that's what they're leaning to. Um, with all these so-called power five schools trying to create their own conference and, and leave everybody else behind and all that. But again, and not to call out any schools, Vandy is not really good in football, you know, but they're in that conference. You know, Mizzou is not really good in football. They're in that conference. They're okay in basketball. You know, they're, they're just, it, they're trying to create something, but the people they have aligned with them are not that really, not that good. So again, why are they trying to be in a space where you're going to constantly lose? Because that's what's been happening. So I don't, I don't understand that part. So you call yourself trying to break away and, and create something like that. I don't, I don't understand that part of it. Why not be someplace where you can compete and have opportunity to win? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it's back to basketball as far as you guys and on the court. How's um, Julia Blackshear Ferris rehab and is Bria Patterson, her knee, is she fully healed? And also Diamond, I know she was also dealing with injury as well. So how are they doing now? Yeah, Bria's uh, back to 100%. Um, she's always uh, going in the training room and she was doing this before the injury and things like that just to be able to um, keep herself um, sound uh, body-wise, ankle-wise, knee-wise, all that stuff. But, yeah, she, she's good. No brace, no anything. And then all the lifting that they've been doing and squatting and stuff like that has really been helping, strengthening all her areas. Um, Diamond, we had her 
she got some orthotics now on her shoes. So her feet are, are fine. Um, anytime that she's been going and she felt like that she needed to stop or anything like that, she knows she has the leeway to be able to do that, but that hadn't happened this summer or anything. And y'all know we do a lot of running just because we play fast. Um, so you have to be in condition. So we do a lot of running. That's some of the what some of the new ones found out, um, the transfers. And it's like, wow, like, yeah, I'm sorry, but that's, that's just what we do. And Diamond has been great through all of it. And um, Julia, uh, Juju is doing really good right now. She's um has her brace, doing a lot of five on those stuff. She's just not in any contact stuff, but she's doing all the running. Um, she's doing all the lifting, um, some cutting um, with the brace and things like that. She just kind of get comfortable with it. Um, waiting to see when we get to the fall and start to practice, will she playing it, not playing it, that kind of stuff, but it's so far off now. Um, but yeah, everybody is, is doing really good. Um, no injuries our way at all. I know you said on Wednesdays, you guys been doing like some personal stuff and went that it's about branding and the NIL and stuff like that. So I know yeah, you want to win games, but it's like the game has become bigger than that. So what are some of the things as a program or that, that you guys are doing to focusing on specifically branding or when our companies or these play, people coming to them as far as the potential to brand and make money after um, name image and likeness? Yeah, so when it comes to the name image and likeness, we, we can't do a whole lot of soliciting and we, we can't solicit people for them and things like that. Um, the companies have to just, you know, see the girls and select them themselves. Um, but the one thing that we're doing to help them with that is just their social media because it's their journal every day. So that's your brand. So who are you branding yourself to be by the things that you put on your social media? Because that's the first thing that anybody can be able to see about us and be able to get some kind of idea of who you are without talking to you. And so that's the first thing we do with them. And then they get into their academics and things like that, because, you know, after they check you out on social media, they're going to find out how good a student you are or if you're lazy on time and those kind of things. And then if they want to have conversation with the coaches or people that's close to them, then it can go further than that. But that's the first thing we do is just get them to understand that their social media speaks volumes uh, about who you are, what you're into and the things that you believe in. Um, so we're we're heavily on that and trying to do those things and get them to understand that um, different people coming in and talk about branding and image and likeness. You know, that's been really great for us as well. So um, we're having people come in and talk about those things so they can pick up those opportunities when these companies call and, and say, we would love to have you be a part. So that's what we're working on right now. And, and some of the young ladies has already had people reach out. Um, as far as California, you know, so uh, I, I, I wish I could discuss their stuff, but I can't. But again, you, you'll be able to see it in, in months to come. Coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamma, we continue our conversation with UH women's basketball head coach Ron Huey. And he talks about the headaches and just putting together the perfect non-conference schedule and what goes into that, as well as a couple of other things, including potential penalties for non-vaccinated players. Staying right up on Pod Slam and Jamma, your home for University of Houston Hoops. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, 
All Houston, all original. And kind of shifting the attention away towards schedule. Obviously, you guys so far have confirmed the Cancun Challenge. You guys are going to set to play three big schools, including the big name on that list is Baylor. I'm just curious from a from a standpoint, playing a program like Baylor, you guys had the opportunity to do that, similar to when you guys had UConn in the conference. Just how big is it to have to play a team of that caliber and I guess gauge where you can or compare so like gauge where you guys are compared to the program like that? Yeah, and, and that's why you play the game. You know, like Herm Edwards, you play to win the game, you know, and and Baylor's a a, a fine institution on top of a, a hell of a basketball program. You know, Kim Mulkey really built that program up and now they've passed it on. And um oh, I can't think of her name right now, uh, who has just gotten a job and and we was really looking forward to having an opportunity to compete against them. But Baylor is um, one that, you know, you know we're not afraid. We, we play all of the Power Five people all the time, three or four a year. Um, we've had UConn for our first five or six years. So playing uh, big schools is nothing um, for us. And we're just looking forward to the challenge. And when it comes to putting together a non-conference schedule, I'm curious, obviously, uh, usually they come early on in the season, but crafting an on-conference schedule, I'd imagine it's got to be super tricky because you're trying, like you mentioned, trying to get those high-caliber opponents. But at the same time, since it's early in the season, you're still trying to find your way as a team and honestly trying to find an identity. So when you are building that schedule, what what goes into it? How do you calculate that? Like what game goes where? I'd imagine it's got to be a headache at times. It, it is. It is because you have your date where you want to play and other people have their dates where they want to play. <laughs> so you got to try to find yourself in the middle. Um, yeah, we just try to have the format of, of um, not stacking those games on top of each other um, just so we can give our kids a chance to woo saw a little bit. Um, but we also, I think, nine or ten out of the uh, 13 non-conference games we have was in postseason play last year in the NIT or NCAAs. So we always want to stay competitive with that. Um, but also having an opportunity to uh, put together some, some challenging games at the beginning and then, you know, right in the middle of that, have an opportunity, especially around um, uh, midterms and, and finals time, making sure things are, are not uh, over the top with them to where they can focus in on class as well. So you're, you're not playing those high, high caliber teams at that point. But the scheduling piece is one of the most difficult pieces uh, that's a, a, about our game, just because you may have a date where you want to play on November the 10th, but we want to play on November 18th. So how do we get to that, that medium area where it fits both of our schedules? And that's the hardest part of, of scheduling. Um, on top of that, now everybody's running into all these guarantees. You know, there was a time when I got the job here, everybody called and wanted to play because we wasn't that good. Now that we've had a chance to win some games and establish a culture and identity, now it's getting harder and harder to, to get games. Now people want you to pay them when people used to pay us all the time. You know, so it, the, the ties is really turning in that, in that part, um, especially with, um, these guarantees going up, 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 you know, based on, you know, uh, other schools being able to give a little bit more money and things like that. But 
we're just trying to stay grounded with who we are, um, play the best challenging schedule that we possibly can that can help our net and our chances of getting um, into the uh, NCAA tournament and uh, making sure our fate is in our hands. Yeah, it's kind of a sign, a sign of respect. It looks like some of these programs starting to recognize that you guys are kind of made that turn or, or one. But I say we talk a lot about um, player development, but we rarely ask coaches about their development. And with a irregular season last year, what did you learn or what did you feel like you got better at as a coach? And not only just last year, but the past couple of years, what are a few things that you feel like, okay, I'm getting better at this or I need to work at this or – however you want to kind of go with it. Yeah, you know, I think last year taught me a lot uh, on um, – I think baseball got it right. Um, they call us coaches in this game, but they call them managers because that's what they do. And I think that's what we do more of. We manage. You know, we manage to make sure, you know, our girls and our team is where they need to be. Our staff is where they need to be. you got to have a pulse and a feel for that. And I think baseball do a really good job of calling it managers. Um, we coach when we're on the floor and things like that, but there's so many parts of the game that's not on the floor that I think I've had a chance to, to, to really get better at. And, you know, it's because of I have the people like Kelvin Sampson next door that I can walk and ask a question, you know, and he can sit down and he's not too busy for me and those kind of things. Or I can say, Kelvin, can you look at some stuff for me X and O wise? And, you know, I think I tweeted about that a month ago. I can have a coach's clinic every week if I want to because he's there and he loves doing it. On top of that, it's just all the different people that I can have a chance to reach out to. Gail Gessencourse, who's now at Kentucky, uh, we were on the phone a lot last year just because, you know, it wasn't a lot of prep time because of COVID and things like that. So we had to simplify, simplify, simplify. Well, she's the best person I know with, you know, simplifying things. Um, and the list goes on and on, but I had an opportunity to really, really hone in on all the things outside of the court when you start talking about your staff, helping them get through, because COVID was, you know, such a tough time. You know, you couldn't be um, um, not sensitive to, to what people were going through in their lives. So it, it was with our players as well. So you had to help them with those kind of things on top of, you know, finding that balance to understand we still have to watch film. We still have to develop them on the court. We still have to try to do some point of a bonding with each other to get to know each other and get to know each other on a different level to where it's not, you know, we're passing each other. Um, but as a coach, I, I, I thought I got better at just those things, just understanding the overall aspect of being a coach. You know, everybody – you know, want to slide six inches over and get in that chair and they think it's all about basketball when, you know, it's probably 15, 20% of what you do all year. All the rest of it is just managing. It's managing like crazy. And I thought that's what last year helped me with, with some of the people um, that I'm close to and help mentor me. Coach, with next season, as you look out throughout the conference, Coach Todd talked about those two Florida schools. I know – um, we know the, the struggles they had with UCF, but you guys were able to knock off USF and they returned all five starters. But as you look out through, throughout the entire conference, like what do you see from each team? And like what, what we know your guys' goal is to win it, but like what are you seeing as far as stacking up with the upper echelon of the conference? 
Yeah, it, it's going to be a tough year, man, because, uh, you know, everybody's returning their kids from COVID, using their COVID year. Um, so it's basically going to be that plus the new people that they're adding. But I, I can see everybody's getting better. I'm just starting to take notice to, you know, when you start talking about Tulane, they're picking up other kids as well. Wichita State picked up some people, Cincinnati. And then they're notable, noticeable kids that we've either looked at or we know about. And so I know that it, the conference is going to be a, a dogfight again this year. And um, we're expecting our team to come out on top. You know, from that point, um, do you feel like ever since UConn left, like each other team in the conference is kind of like, okay, we're, we have a chance to be that top dog, for lack of a better work, in the American Athletic Conference. Do you kind of feel it? I wouldn't call it like an arms race, but basically all the teams in the conference, you guys are trying to build and get to that top spot. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely do. I think when, when UConn left, it definitely opened the door. Uh, we can have a revolving door at the top for, you know, a champion or, you know, somebody can try to say, I'm going to stake my claim and keep it every year, you know. But, you know, it was just hard to have those conversations before um, when UConn was in the conference. You know, they were just so dominant across the country, not just in our conference. Um, but now it's, it's open, and I think it gives everybody – I mean, it, it even trickled down to your, your team and your managers and your staff. You know, everybody feels that way. You know, I, I think that's the thing that's different about – um, the conference now, but yeah, you hit it on the head. Everybody wants to be top dog. And, and I think they can kind of write their, their schedule to kind of get them at a certain point, non-conference and position themselves. And then when you get in the conference, try to do the best you can with what you have. One other thing you mentioned that extra year of COVID eligibility that a lot of players are utilizing. One of such for you guys is Erica Sidney which I, I believe you told Chris Gardner when you went to do an interview with him, which caught, caught my eye. I'm just, how big is it to have Erica Sidney returning to your guys' team after a solid season she had for y'all last season? Yes, man, it's tremendous. You know, it's because you don't have to reteach. Um, you know, if we didn't have Erica coming back, we would have had to have another freshman or a transfer and all of that. And now you got five or six or seven of them that you're trying to retrain. But when you have that experience come back and they know what the fight is, they know what the, the mornings are like, they know what the practices are like, they know what the travel is like, they know what the, the, the just play and going through the scouts and teams they've seen before and those things, it, it just it's, it, it makes it just a little bit easier, just a little bit easier. Um, and um, those kids have performed. You know, it's one thing to return a player who's just come back that, you know, it was up and down and, and didn't just get to play a lot. Or if they did get to play, it wasn't as productive as they'd like to be. And Erica was productive. And she, she was a, a, a cog that we needed uh, each and every game. And so it, it'll be tremendous having her back like we, like we have her back and just looking forward to the things that she's going to be able to uh, put herself in, in the position she's going to put herself in. Because now, you know, she's not coming in learning like she had to do, you know, previously. She knows now. And speaking of someone who actually had a good year and contributed a lot, what's been the growth from um, Jasmine Lewis throughout the, the summer? You know, Jazz um, did a great job of going home. Jazz usually go home and then um, not diet and do what she need to do and then come back here and we have to start over from scratch. That didn't happen this year. And I think um, 
that was good because uh, she had a good year last year. Um, but she's been doing what she needed to do this summer. And the biggest thing is nutrition and, and taking care of her body. Um, the other thing is she's been trying to extend a range and do some things around the, on the court that can um, kind of help us some because, you know, like I told them, we can open up the playbook more if we can get our five involved in doing some other things. You know, it don't have to be just the guards doing this and doing that. So they've been trying to evolve with our player development stuff. Um, just so they can be able to help us open up the playbook and be able to call their number a, a few more, a few more times a game. But really excited for what Jazz is is looking to bring this year because, again, we will need her uh, countless, countless times. You know, one final thing that I wanted to touch on and uh, another kind of controversial um, rule recently was the NFL with their vaccine kind of a protocol i know there's been talks among ncaa football to to kind of adapt a similar thing where teams might get penalized by either having to forfeit if they have like an outbreak due to unvaccinated players i'm curious what are your thoughts on that and have there been any discussions to have something similar or a protocol similar to for your this upcoming season in women's basketball yeah there haven't been any discussion on on it but you know i just say get vaccinated you know, we are 95% vaccinated. We have one or two people that's doing a few, a little bit more research, but we'll be making the decision really, really soon. And um, just get vaccinated. We can take care of all of that. You know, there's no microchip in you. There's no, you know, all this crazy stuff that you hear. Like, again, if you care about yourself, just get vaccinated. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for folks. Uh, for us, Coach, we definitely appreciate you taking mm-hmm. time out of your day to chat with us. Um, we wish you guys the best of luck. I look forward to continue to call the games for you guys every home game, and hopefully the crowd can listen to this or the fans can come out and support, man, because it's definitely going to be a good team. Yes, good team, good year. And I, I can't wait till we get back and, you know, they're getting ready to go home next week and, you know, kind of woosah a little bit and, get back to face-to-face class is going to be a challenge and, you know, getting back and kind of feeling that again and, you know, then rolling into basketball. But we have some official visit stuff coming up and, you know, so it's just going to be a lot early. And um, I think the young ladies will be up for the challenge and then we'll start to move into basketball. But, you know, we're expecting a a great crowd this year is one of the things that we're really going to harp on, just trying to get Mm -hmm. those people to come to this game so they can – be able to see and um the product that we're putting on the floor man that's going to be a wrap for today's episode of pod slammer jamma so if you haven't already done so please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and be sure to follow at apollo hou for blogs merch videos podcasts and more original houston sports content not found anywhere else as always thank you so much for listening and we're both Looking forward to having you on our next episode. As always, go Cougs.